Hello, hello, this is Tracy Harrell, and welcome to Bigger Than Me. Each week, we focus on how to achieve your definition of success and happiness. On Bigger Than Me, we bring together a combination of ageless wisdom, the latest research, and engaging interviews with amazing people who are sharing their stories to help each of us achieve our full potential. Your journey to transformation begins right now. Let's do this. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I am so excited about today. So if you're looking at this amazing event, what I'm gonna talk about today is basically kicking off this initiative that's called the Bigger Than Me Success Series. We're changing things. We're changing the world. It's so exciting. And Nate, you, you're basically my guest. I mean, I have videos of about 20 different people. I don't know how many we can get in today, but we're going to tell you about an amazing kickoff that we just had, which kicked off this initiative called the Bigger Than Me Success Series. And our objective was very simple. It's a six-session series, and our objective is to achieve racial equity and inclusion in business, education, wealth, and health. And what I love about this is we have this cornucopia of experts. Uh, Tracy, I think you muted yourself there on accident. There we go. We're all going to talk about how to move this forward. And by moving this forward, I mean, we're, we're doing two things. This is a national initiative. So I invited the National Black MBA Association's national president, a member of their past chairman of the board. Um, I happen to be Tracy Harrell. I am president of the Seattle chapter of the National Black MBA Association, at least for a couple of more months. I've been in the role for a few years. This is work that has been culminating since I've been in the role and it's super exciting. I'm also a consultant. And I'm actually focused on doing this work as literally something that's changing the world. It's really the bigger than me movement. It's a movement. And so I'm gonna have Nate, I'm gonna have you show our very first video. And it talks about what is a movement? You know, we have a lot of things that are changing in this country as it relates to racial equity and inclusion. We say we want it. We're going to lay down a very clear roadmap on how we get there. So first, we're going to start with what is a movement? Nate, can you show our first video? Here it comes. So ladies and gentlemen, at TED, we talk a lot about leadership and how to make a movement. So let's watch a movement happen start to finish in under three minutes and dissect some lessons from it. First, of course, you know, a leader needs the guts to stand out and be ridiculed. <laughs> But what he's doing is so easy to follow. So here's his first follower with a crucial role. He's going to show everyone else how to follow. Now notice that the leader embraces him as an equal. So now it's not about the leader anymore. It's about them, plural. Now there he is calling to his friends. Now if you notice that the first follower is actually an underestimated form of leadership in itself. It takes guts to stand out like that. The first follower is what transforms a lone nut into a leader. <laughs> And here comes a second follower. Now it's not a lone nut, it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd and a crowd is news. So a movement must be public. 
It's important to show not just the leader, but the followers, because you find that new followers emulate the followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, and immediately after, three more people. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point. Now we've got a movement. <laughs> so. Notice that as more people join in, it's less risky. So those that were sitting on the fence before now have no reason not to. They won't stand out, they won't be ridiculed, but they will be part of the in crowd if they hurry. So <laughs> over the next minute, you'll see all of the, uh, those that prefer to stick with the crowd because eventually they would be ridiculed for not joining in. And that's how you make a movement. But let's recap some lessons from this. So first, if you are the type, like the shirtless dancing guy, that is standing alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals. So it's clearly about the movement, not you. <laughs> okay, but we might have missed the real lesson here. The biggest lesson, if you noticed, did you catch it? Is that leadership is over-glorified. That yes, it was the shirtless guy was first, and he'll get all the credit, but it was really the first follower that transformed the lone nut into a leader. So as we're told that we should all be leaders, that would be really ineffective. If you really care about starting a movement, have the courage to follow and show others how to follow. And when you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first one to stand up and join in. And what a perfect place to do that, Ted. Thanks. <laughs> Do you love that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that is, <laughs> I, I've seen that numerous times. It just perfect, perfectly articulates what we're doing right now with this Bigger Than Me movement. There's such energy around changing things. We all want to be a part of the solution. We want to be a part of making things better. Well, you found the right place in the right space. We just had a kickoff on Tuesday, July 7th. It was 7-7. And we've identified this seven series session, one on 7-7, one on 8-8, and you guessed it, 12-12 of 2020. Six sessions, each free monthly engagement. I'm gonna provide you with clips of the first one just to kind of narrate how amazing it was and why all of these conversations are happening. So I consider myself a bit of an expert when it comes to systems change. I also feel like I was divinely inspired to lead this change because of my personal experiences. We all have training, we all have, but I'm also probably one of the most divinely inspired individuals that I, that, that I know. And I've actually connected with my own personal uh, story in such a way that honestly, I, I didn't never, I never thought was possible. So another video that we have that I wanted to share with you is by Brene Brown. And what she talks about is really owning your story. So the reason I come to you with such confidence that we can change the world is because I'm owning my personal story. And I've met so many people, countless others, just like you, who want to own your story too. You want to be a part of the change. So Nate, I'm going to have you show the Brene Brown uh, clip that talks about how important it is for us to own our story, our individual stories and our collective stories as well. If we own our story, we get to write the ending. And if we don't own our story, the story owns us. And I think in the gifts of imperfection, I really, that was the first time in my life personally that I've owned my story. That I wrote about, hey, look, I had this complete breakdown at 41. Um, I fell apart. I got, I was so tired and exhausted from trying to outrun vulnerability and outrun perfectionism. 
If we think about collectively, if we know it's true in our own lives that the stories we own, we get to write the ending, and the stories that we don't own, own us, we can take that micro lesson and apply it in a macro concept, in a community concept. The stories that we don't own collectively own us. We have to own the story in order to write the different ending. And I know it's painful, but it's not as painful as spending our lives running from our story. And our collective story in the United States is a story of white supremacy. That is the story. That's our story. And we have not owned it. So now it, it, still, it owns us. It still owns us. And it defines us because we have not had the courage to step in and own the story and say, this is the truth about where we come from and what we've done. And it's, I think what's really powerful for me personally is understanding that the pain of owning, the pain and discomfort of owning that story is, is tiny compared to the pain and discomfort of living out that story. Wow, do you love that? Do you love how she basically gives us permission to own our story? She's giving us permission and basically a roadmap to say, own your personal story, even more so own our collective story. That's what we get to do as a part of this bigger than me success series is we get to own our collective story and even more exciting is we get to write the ending. Literally, we get to write the ending. So one of the things that I'm doing as a part of this initiative, and again, I'm going to jump right into the to the content, but I really want to set the tone. I got a lot of great feedback from this session, but someone asked me, so could you have restated what you did in your executive summary at the beginning of the session? So I'm going to do that now. So this Bigger Than Me success series has um, six, there's six sessions and there's six key um goals that we're going to accomplish. The first one is we're going to reinforce a clear case for change. Each session, we're going to have a little bit of information around why this is important and then what needs to happen as well to move things forward. You can't change a thing unless you think that there really is something that needs to be changed. So we're going to do a lot of that work in this first session is to establish a case for change. Secondly, we're going to create a safe space to learn, to share, and to grow. That's really this adaptive leadership flavor to this conversation and doing it in an online space. There's gonna be a number of opportunities to learn uh, and grow. We're gonna host these nationwide initiatives that are once a month. We're gonna have some breakout sessions that are associated with that. We're also inviting people to other smaller uh, cohorts, we're calling them, if you're interested in that. We we've, we've have a survey out there. You can email me directly at Tracy, T-R-A-C-I, bigger, what is my email? It's all bigger than me.com. <laughs> Sorry, Tracy, T-R-A-C-I at it's I-T-S all A-L-L bigger than T-H-A-N me.com. Tracy at it's all bigger than me.com. And if you're interested in a one-on-one -on -one coaching, if you're interested in team uh, coaching, this is an individual conversation. So we're, you know, each of you get an opportunity to, 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 to embrace your story, to decide how you want to move forward. But we're gonna provide you with information and probably content that you've never really seen in this way before. So we're gonna get right to it. But the, the six things we're gonna do is one, we're gonna create a safe space to learn. That was number two, reinforce a clear case for change. Second, create a safe 
space to learn. Third, normalize a deeper conversation with real talk. So normalizing a deeper conversation says the things we're used to talking about, the things that are comfortable talking about, <clears throat> the way we talk about things like unconscious bias in a very academic way, that's the beginning. Awareness is important, but action is really the only way we're gonna change. So our efforts to help everyone normalize a deeper conversation, I think it's gonna be transformational. Fourth, we're gonna approach systems change with both adaptive leadership and real action. We have very clear solutions. We're gonna to help to model that work with you uh, and also clarify um, how to move forward based on where you are. Because again, we understand that it's different for each person and we don't want to pretend that we're presenting a uh, solution that is for everyone. The information is absolutely for everyone. It doesn't matter where you are on the journey. Right, the whole concept of hearing from other people and hearing different perspectives is, is hugely valuable. Fifth thing we're going to accomplish with this Bigger Than Me success series is to transform accountability measures at all levels. Accountability is critical and accountability measures is really the only way to drive change. So we have a number of opportunities where we're gonna ask for your input and feedback in order for us to, to co-design solutions. That's the fun part. And then six, we're gonna actually be able to achieve immediate and lasting results. Immediate results, because when you hear some of the voices that you're gonna to hear today, you will leave changed. If you open your heart and open your mind, there's no way for you not to leave changed. There's no way for you not to experience what we're offering to you and change as a result of it. And what's really exciting is, we also have a, a, an amazing guest who's going to join us in, in one of our next in our next monthly session to talk about. We're writing a book. Renee Brown talks about owning your story. Michelle Avon, who you're going to hear from in a second, talks about writing your story. And fortunately, those are two things that we have built into this process: is owning your story. And we're going to offer to those of you who are interested the opportunity to write your story. So within these sessions, there's also going to be these writing nests. These coaching opportunities for someone who's actually produced, uh, J.B. Owen is her name, the Ignite series. So our book is called The Bigger Than Me Success Series, Achieving Racial Equity and Inclusion in Business, Education, Wealth, and Health. So this is a journey. This is a movement. It's not an event. We did host an event, and I'll give you some clips from that. It is not an event. This is an initiative. This is a movement, and you're all invited to join. It's super exciting. So Nathan. <laughs> Sounds like we're going to Michelle next. <laughs> actually, actually, I think I'm going to go to Bruce first, if that's okay. Okay. Uh, just give so, me a quick second to pull that up or queue it up. It should take me no more than a minute. Thank you. Actually, if you want to go to Michelle, we can. You, you got Michelle up. Oh, Let's no, go. Actually, Let's go right now I have your panelists, uh, Sonia and so, Bruce, so Bill no, and Dr. Tart. Um, no, I'm going to have you either, either, either Michelle, Avon, or Bruce. And, and while you either pull one of those up. I'm fine either way. Okay, let's so go to the Bruce. 14, 1432? Yep. Awesome. I got it. Excellent. And just give me so, a quick so, 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 so real quick, I'm going to introduce Bruce. So Bruce is president of the National Black MBA Association. He's the interim president of the National Black MBA Association, which means he came into the role right as the COVID-19 pandemic was launching. He came, you know, he's here during this social unrest in an interim role. He has been part of the board of directors. He's 
seasoned executive. He's a lifetime legacy member as a part of the National Black MBA Association. So no one is more equipped. But for to come into an interim role in the middle of these shenanigans, <laughs> I have to give him a lot of credit. And what really, really, really got me excited is Bruce wrote a, an essay, a message, and it was called Racism, America's Un- finished business. And if you listen to Brene Brown, again, there are certain words that I'm not even comfortable saying. I don't even use the word racism hardly ever, right? Because I think most people are good people. Racism has this negative tone to it. It feels to me like most people are just not aware of how their actions affect other people. And so I am focused on achieving racial equity and inclusion in business, education, wealth, and health, because I do think it's really more about information, education, and, and again, moving forward, deciding to be one of those first followers. And I fully recommend, I recognize rather, this isn't for everyone. Everyone's not ready to change, sadly. But I'm very comfortable with that. When you're on a divine mission, which is what I'm doing right now, you just share your truth. That's all you can do. And it's for whoever it's for. It's not for who it's not for. And it's absolutely for who it's for. And you know if it's for you. So you're going to listen to this, hopefully. We're going to make sure clips are available for you to get some quick information. But it is for who it's for. And I hope more than anything, it's for you. So what I asked Bruce about his message was, wow, you wrote a message called Racism, America's Unfinished Business. What was your point? What was your message? What were you trying to get across? Here we go. I, I think there are a few messages, Tracy. I think one is certainly that um, what we're in the midst of now is part of a, a longer ongoing struggle. Uh, and I think we've got to all realize that and put that uh, in into context. When we talk about the killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, and, and so many others, it, it, the fact is there are so many others. Uh, and and uh, as, as was said earlier, we've got to own that. Uh, uh, but uh, it's not enough to talk about it. It's not enough to, uh, at some level, it's not enough to protest about it. It's, it's, it ought to be a call to action for us to do some things differently uh, about it. And that's really uh, what the essay was about. It, it was about the responsibility that we all have to change the status quo, to make a difference, to address systemic racism, in some concrete ways that, that ultimately uh, will lead to its demise. It's also a recognition uh, that, that we have to hold ourselves accountable. As I think about my organization, the organization that I lead, the National Black MBA Association, we have work to do. We have work to do with our various stakeholders, including our partners, including our members. Uh, we have work to do. We have work to do in holding ourselves and others accountable. Uh, for uh, changing the status quo. And we have to realize, and that's part of putting it in the, into context, that this is a long-term effort. Uh, it didn't start yesterday, it didn't start a month ago, it didn't start a year ago, it didn't start a hundred years ago. Uh, and therefore, we've got to be prepared for the long haul. We've got to prepared for, be prepared for when this isn't the issue of the moment and still work and still uh, push forward uh, because it doesn't happen by itself, it happens because people make the effort on an ongoing basis, on a systemic basis, if you will, to change things. Tracy, can you do me a favor and lower the microphone on your headset?
Oh, sorry. Thank you. Much Is that better. better? Yeah, much better. Thank <laughs> sorry. you. Sorry. People make an effort to change things on a systemic level. That's what really what this is about. It's really exciting. So just hold on to your britches because this 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 initiative is amazing. And this first kickoff was absolutely it was phenomenal. I, I have the honor. We're gonna go to Bill uh, Bill Wells next. Um, is who you're gonna hear from next. And first, it was my honor to introduce Bill Wells. Bill Wells. Bill Wells is like literally one of my favorite people. He is uh, a former chairman of the board for the National Black MBA Association. He's a former vice president and uh, chief uh, diversity officer for travelers. He's, you know, works for 30 some years, I believe, in a number of different, you know, executive roles. He is a living legend in black history. He's one of our legacy leaders for the National Black MBA Association. He's a consultant now. He's actually in the middle of where it all started. I believe he's in Minneapolis or in, in Minnesota right now. Um, so he's, he's done a number of sessions, worldwide sessions, to really focus on this conversation around equity and inclusion. He's an expert. And so I'm honored, blessed, honestly, um, to have Bill as a part of this Bigger Than Me success series. He's a genius. He's a legacy leader. So he has experienced this for years. He's also been in roles where this really matters. And so I asked Bill a question that I asked a couple of the leaders. Bill, I said, why is this important for us to have this conversation? Why is it important for us to think about activating change and getting people to activate change? And, and more so than anything, why is it important that we do that right now? Here's what Bill said. Well, thank you, first of all, Tracy, for uh, inviting me to be a part of this important discussion. And for those of you who know me, you're, you're going to probably say, uh oh, he, here he goes again. Um, but um, uh, seriously, what I, what I hope um, we understand from this conversation, you know, when we talk about eliminating racism, first of all, I want to be clear. That's not going to be, it's not a once and done kind of situation. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, organizations every day, um, talk about culture change and transformation. And somewhere in that conversation, they talk about diversity, inclusion, and now equity. Equity was not really a called out as a construct um, in the days of the civil rights era. It was literally embedded into the notion of equality and giving everyone an opportunity to rise to their full potential. So, you know, we're dealing with a historic and a historic phenomena which is also historic, hysterical, um, and it's going to cha change. Um, it's going to require a lot of effort. Um, I, I hear people sometimes say, "Well, we just need a DNI initiative." Uh, for those of you who don't know, a, a diversity and inclusion initiative. We need to get commitment from the top. We need to get accountability. Yes, that's what's required. But this is literally a, a sea change. It's not quite to the same extent of like uh, solving world hunger but it feels like it's on that magnitude. We are trying to unpack and unbundle hundreds of years of, well, I won't call it racism, but discriminatory behavior, which is rooted in racism. So the, the, the work that needs to be done is, it has to be very intentional. It's gotta be very focused. And leaders of the organizations really need to be clear about what it is that they're really talking about. Uh, because for the most part, businesses are uh, literally in business to make money. That's it. Um, there is uh, also a social component to it, uh, but it's oftentimes 
uh, way back on the um, list of priorities. So uh, in this discussion tonight, uh, hopefully we'll have, have a chance to talk about what it is that we need to really do in organizations. And they know, quite frankly, they know what they need to do. Uh, there is a CEO action plan that started about, oh, three years ago, 2017. And there are now well over a thousand companies that have signed on with a commitment, a stated commitment to furthering diversity and advancing diversity and inclusion in the business. Yet and still today, we still see the tremendous disparities that have resulted from, I'll call it false promises. So I'll end right now because I know you've got other questions and uh, perhaps I'll come back in with um, uh, a different angle on this thing. But again, thank you for the opportunity to be with you tonight. Oh my God, do you love him? <laughs> oh my goodness, goodness. Bill is one of my favorite people. I am so honored to have him as a part of this. I mean, so much of what he said was, was, was so powerful. I could go into each of them, but there's so many other people that I'm gonna give you as much as I can today. And then the full show and program will be on itsallbiggerthanme.com. We have a YouTube channel as well. We're gonna make sure all these slices of information are there so you can share your favorites with other people. So um, Nate, we're gonna go to Michelle next. And um, again, so much that Bill said was amazing. I wrote down two things that he said. He talked about intentional focus, which I thought was 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 something that we consistently hear and we know that is important. He also talked about, you know, the CEO accountability. You know, we'll talk later about these key challenges that we know exist. Um, <laughs> I, I won't say anymore. I'll let Michelle uh, talk talk a little bit about. Uh, key challenges and the importance of accountability. So my next person is Michelle Avon. Michelle is, uh, she'll introduce herself. I think she includes that in her intro. Uh, she's one of my favorite people because she's so authentic. She's willing to, 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 to speak her truth for all of our benefits. So here's Michelle Avon and I ask her the same question. Why is this work so important? And why is it important for us to do this now? So tell us, why is it so important for us to have this conversation why now? And what would you say to those individuals that Bill just described? CEOs have made an action plan. We've been talking about this for a while. He made a point of saying, you know, it's, it's about business. In my executive summary and in my case for change, I said, this is like a no brainer. All of our research says that diversity is, makes a company more profitable, more creative. All those things are true. Why? have we not gotten there and why is now the time for us to do this work yeah thank you hi everybody be here um, so you know diversity michelle introduce yourself to this audience i apologize oh absolutely so michelle avan and i am an executive at bank of america merrill i'm in the merrill line of business um, my title is Division Supervision Executive, and so I work with the financial advisors to ensure that we're meeting the goals and objectives of our clients. That's what I do in my day job. Um, my purpose and my passion is around diversity and inclusion at the organization. And although I'm not paid for that, I do spend a significant amount of time in that space because I just have so much passion about it. And unapologetically, with an emphasis on our Black African-American employees, which sometimes I think they get forgotten about. Um, so I want to show them some love and make sure that they know that they're important and that they're valued. 
So why, why now and, 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 and why should we be talking about this? I mean, it's time to strike while the iron is hot. I mean, with all of the things that are going on in the world, um, we are sadly mistaken if we think what we see happening in the world is not a carbon copy of what's basically been drugged into the corporate America world. It is a replication of that. And um, we have to fix um, some of the uh, discrepancies that exist in terms of equality, um, equity, access, and power. And really the only way to do that is to take full advantage of a lot of the movement um, that's taking place in these conversations and then hold corporate America accountable for the very people, the very group that have definitely helped to um, really, um, I'm gonna say support, but I don't mean that in a way in terms of um, calling it neglect. Although to some degree you could call it neglect of the things that are happening in this world. And yes, particularly to black African-Americans, and while our black men are a target for a lot of what we're seeing, let's not get it twisted. Black women, we are seeing a lot of that happening as well. Breonna Taylor, Sandra Bland, we are on the chopping block as well. And I, I've been asked to participate in a lot of topics nationally with the company. And there are two points that I want to share with this group that I've, I've shared with them. One is that um, racism and discrimination against black people is not a black people's problem. That is, it's not a problem that you have to ask us to fix something that we did not ask to participate in. Um, we, we are not the problem. It's a collective. It is a humanity problem. And we've got to get our heads around that and understand and recognize that what has been done before is not working. So we need to clearly do something different. And the other is in doing something different, we need to write our narrative collectively on what that looks like. Because if you say nothing, you leave it up for interpretation on what your thoughts, ideas, and opinions are. Even if you don't know what to say, to be honest and genuine, to say, I don't know what to say. I don't know where to begin. What can I do? We have to write the narrative for that. We can't allow absence um, of thought to, or commenting on it, to step in and speak on our behalf. And we definitely need to hold corporations accountable for um, what they owe to us is just basic human rights of respect and um, common courtesy. Like sometimes this to me seems like such a crazy conversation. Like what, what makes us so different that we don't deserve to be treated like human beings? He had his knee on that man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on, Come on now. On. You're right. You're right. And, and I, <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're 100% correct. And it's interesting. I got some flack when I when I wrote my first uh, executive summary on this topic because I used the term corporate chokehold. That's that was my experience, right? And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean when we talk about. Of course, I mean it in a bad way, but I don't mean it in, in, in a... <laughs> well, listen, Tracy, here's the deal, though. We are making people uncomfortable. We have to stop being in this place of how we were trained and conditioned to think we got to make white people feel uncomfortable. I don't want to make them feel comfortable more anymore. I, I don't. I want you to be uncomfortable, not to the extent that I'm trying to make you feel bad about it. I want to draw awareness to the things that you don't want to talk about that you want to sweep underneath the rug, that is the reality of the life that we live day in and day out. 
I'm done with trying to make you feel like it's okay. It's not your problem. It's not your fault. It is your problem. And until you recognize and realize that it is your problem, you're not going to do anything about it. So yeah, I do want you to feel uncomfortable. So corporate choco, I like that. I will be using that in my next speech that I do. Thank you. <laughs> well, you're, you're very welcome. And, I, and I'm using it very specific. So we have a session coming up in a moment where we're talking about key challenges. The National Black MBA Association, we did a, a think tank and we focused on key challenges. Uh, I love her. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't help but be amused by Michelle. She is so smart. She's like one of the smartest women I know. And when she's like, uh, come on now, really? <laughs> I love, I love her energy. I love her passion. I'm laughing tears of joy here because it's really funny. Um, again, I'm not actually used to saying those words. Like when she said, I, I, I decided corporate chokehold was the right term for me to use when it came to representing what the National Black MBA Association had produced in research after research after research, right? Our last think tank, um, we have Lepre George from the National Black MBA Association. He's going to come up and he'll talk about, he'll give you more details about that, um, what those challenges were. Um, but what's interesting is <clears throat> The term corporate chokehold summarizes what that is. And I think to Michelle's point, it, it brings some clarity to the impact of those things. We can't talk about those corporate chokeholds. We can't talk about unconscious bias or unequal performance standards in, in such an academic way that it takes away the humanity of the people that are impacted. I mean, when Michelle said, come on now, really? Are we, are, do we really, do we not think these are people that are impacted? Have we not thought beyond the acts themselves to really think about the people that are impacted? That's really the connection, part of the connection we wanna make. And I, and I do love that. Um, uh, I think we'll go, we'll go on to the next, to the next um, quote. Again, Michelle had me laughing in tears. Uh, so many things she said also that I thought were absolutely uh, phenomenal. The fact that we do have to own our own narrative once again. Um, and again, <laughs> she's like, I love that term, corporate chokehold. Let me clarify. I use that term and we must use that term. I actually trademark the term for a reason. Because when you say it, it has to have the same meaning. We all have to think about it the same. So there are key challenges in corporate America that have been documented for years. The four things that we know to be true are, they're called unconscious bias, unequal performance standards, similarity bias, and a lack of CEO accountability. Those are the corporate chokeholds. And I'm not thinking about, I'm not just using this term to apply to George Floyd being choked out. I'm describing my personal experience and I, and I have a right to tell that story, right? I have a book that's actually, uh, book number one is actually being published at the end of August. It's called Ignite Happiness. And I tell a little bit of this story during that time because part of the reason I was able to smile through work while I was in a corporate chokehold is because I have a core value of justice and progress. Those are my two primary core values. So as I was working to uh, create this equity and inclusion initiative to do this work internally, I felt like I was making progress and like, like I could prevent what happened to me to happen to other people. And so that gave me joy. So I was able to ignite my own personal happiness, even though I was in the middle of what I can honestly describe as a corporate chokehold, my experience. So 
just just so no one gives me any slack. I'm just telling you that's my story. I'm not profiteering off of George Floyd's experience. That's my story. <laughs> that was my experience. Trust me. Okay. So the next clip is um, okay, because this is a success series. We're going to bring up the. We're going to talk about success. And first, we're going to. I, I asked Bruce. Um, Thompson, who's the president of the National Black MBA Association, I asked him about success. What does success mean to him? And then we went back and we introduced all of the panelists, and I asked them to introduce themselves and then uh, talk about success. So first, we're going to go into Bruce. Uh, if you're ready for that clip, um, let me know, Nathan. And, and basically, I asked I asked Bruce the question, you know, what does success mean to you? He's responsible for students, members sponsors if you think about the dichotomy there the the paradigm that exists there right where you know to, to support members and to support uh sponsors that means to support those who are experiencing corporate choke holds and those who are actually implementing the corporate choke holds <laughs> he has a very delicate balance and so i ask him and students we got students coming in and part of our responsibility um uh the president of the atlanta chapter sonia stalling one of her roles as a part of this Bigger Than Me success series is to really focus on success. Because part of our responsibility to our youth, to our students, is really to make sure that they're prepared for the current environment that they're going to be in, as well as to help change the status quo so that they have a better experience than many of us have experienced. So they're not talking about these same things that we've been talking about for 40 years, these corporate chokeholds. We've named it unconscious bias and it sounds pretty. It ain't pretty. There's nothing pretty about it. Unequal performance standards. You can talk about it academically and train people on it like it's just a, you know, a term. It is not a term. These are corporate chokeholds. It, it changes lives. I did a whole uh, <laughs> 10 minute <laughs> introduction to this concept. It's on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. It's all bigger than me. We, we cut it down to three minutes and four minutes. So there's, there's different versions of it out there, but it is not, this is not a joke. These are not terms that we, I'm smiling because that's just how I deal with stress. Um, so bear with me as I, as I, you know, again, I'm going to be happy because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm moving initiatives forward. So this is a success series and I asked Bruce Thompson, what was his definition of success? In order for us to, 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 to really launch a bigger than me success series or this bigger than me movement, well, we have to focus on success. So there's a survey where I ask each of you, what is your definition of success? We all have a different definition. So here's Bruce and I asked him, what was the definition? I think we have a little sound issue. Yeah, give me one second. I just need to the, the unmute no, no something so, here. No problem. So the, 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 what, I, what, I, what, I, what I specifically love about Bruce, and again, we've had numerous I've had numerous conversations with all these people. I'm just kind of putting in slices from one of our recent uh, gatherings together. But what he said here, and I asked him, what does it mean to him? Like, what does success look like? And it means something different to each of us. And I think once we, you know, grab hold to the fact that it does mean something different to each of us, then what's important, the reason this adaptive leadership initiative is so important and this concept of adaptive leadership is so important is because each of you get an opportunity to, to adapt to those people that are around you. So we're going to show this clip of Bruce Thompson, president of the National Black MBA. And the question is, as it relates to achieving racial equity and inclusion in business, what does success look like? 
I, I guess I would start, Tracy, with, with access and, and closely followed by opportunity. I, I, I really think as I look at the, uh, the business landscape, uh, it, uh, and justice comes to mind as well in some ways, but, but, but why I choose access and opportunity is I, I, I really look at the landscape and say, uh, do we really have, and I'm, I'm speaking specifically of black folks, do we really have access and opportunity in an equitable way? And, and the answer, of course, that I see is no. Uh, and so what success looks like uh, to me is a level of access, a level of opportunity that really allows people to achieve what they're capable of, of achieving. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I think there is what I constantly see uh, uh, both in corporate environments where I once worked, uh, you know, through the lens of the National Black MBA Association in dealing with a, a wide variety of our, 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 our stakeholders is enormous talent. Uh, I, would, I would urge you, if you haven't had the chance to do so, sit in on a case competition, uh, which we do both undergraduate and graduate versions of. And if you don't, and, and, and by the way, leaders of tomorrow versions uh, for our high school students, if you don't think there is talent there, sit in on one of those sessions and watch them think on their feet and watch them uh, analyze the situation in depth uh, and watch them run the numbers. Uh, the capabilities there are tremendous and they're underutilized because of a lack of access and because of a lack of opportunity. So again, what does success look like to me? It's a whole different landscape in terms uh, than we are seeing today in terms of black access and black opportunity to really achieve uh, at a level uh, of which people are capable. Mm. I love that. I love that. So, Nate, I'm looking at the time. I cannot believe we've already almost got to the end of the first hour. So, I know we have to take a station break at the top of the hour. So, as opposed to playing the um, the overview of all the the panelists telling their success story, we're going to start the next hour with that. And I'm going to go to the justice comment, the conversation that we had around injustice at 5454, if you don't mind. Um, from the last show, let me know when you're ready with that. And so to set everyone up on this conversation, what I, what I love about this is each of the people you're gonna talk, you're gonna hear from um, in this particular session. And again, there's tons of amazing people who are supporting this initiative, tons of, of, of first followers, tons of leaders, some tons of people who, who have expertise to help us to move this forward. And so what I'm gonna share with you real quick is I asked the question, because I've spoken to them individually. This was the first time I brought all of them together in this two hour session that we had on Tuesday 7-7. Um, again, uh, this conversation in our prior discussions, most of them mentioned this concept of justice. And so I asked the question, which was not part of my uh, run of show for them, I just put it out there and I said, We'll see. I just asked about justice. Why is this so important? Been a theme that raised its its head in a very interesting way. Justice. Why is justice so important as we think about achieving racial equity and inclusion? I know y'all ain't gonna be silent. I'm gonna be okay, silent. Okay, Tracy, were you were you directing that question to anybody in particular? Gen generically to my people. I'll, I spoke to each of you guys individually. You've all mentioned the word justice. I don't have okay. a question on it per se. 
right. why does that keep coming up? Why is that such an important theme for this conversation? Well, you know, bottom line, justice is at the root of the, the entire discussion. Without justice, what do you have? Um, you know, one thing I would like to say that, and I know we're having a conversation on what it takes to win and everything, but quite frankly, uh, and from my opinion, we are in a triage condition. This is not a time for us to be talking about elective surgery and what have you. We, we got to stop the bleeding. And, it's, and it touches every sector and every fabric of our societies. The corporate sector, the educational sector, um, you know, yeah, housing sector, healthcare, every sector right now is under siege. And there is no justice. I mean, if we just look at the numbers, now, I know the uh, last person speaking mentioned wealth. And once we, um, uh, if in fact we were ever able to get um, wealth for all people at, on parity, well, I hate to say it, but quite frankly, the trend line doesn't look good. Now, Bruce Thompson is a finance guy. He does analytics. And I think Bruce could give you a very, very um, a solid um, understanding of how this is not working. If you look at wealth, uh, the wealth of African-Americans and people of color, um, uh, particularly uh, Hispanic, Latino, you will find that the trend line for wealth is going down. It's not, it's not leveling off. It hasn't gone up. It's going down. It's getting worse. The disparity in every dimension that we can talk about is getting worse. Our social justice system is getting worse. Criminal justice getting worse. So I guess at the end of the day, uh, Tracy, we're going to need to have a real conversation about what it's going to take to really tap into the soul of America. And I, I think, you know, at, at, the, at the end of the day, it's, it gets back to the leadership of this country, not the former leadership, not those people that signed the Declaration of Independence that literally, if you really examine it, was not independence for anybody other than those who are not those who are in, impacted by all the disparities. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. So as we're having this discussion, I hope we keep in mind that winning can't come until we really kind of pull those folks that are really uh, in desperate, desperate need uh, into the fold and, and, and everybody can win. So I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet at this point. You're so wonderful. I love that. And what you just did is, obviously, this initiative, we're equipped to do this work. When I say everything about who I am, everything about my experiences, personally professional training, the people that I've been blessed enough to connect with. We have all of the expertise, all of the information. We have everything we need to move this forward. All we need are each of you to be a part of this change, to bring individuals in your organization to have this conversation. Bruce, what I heard you say was basically you're talking about systems, a systems change. When I said this, when we created this initiative, I, lo I love this. And I know we are, I cannot believe this is our first hour. Did you hear the fashion? We have everything we need. We have all the experts. We have all the information. All we need is you. So we're going to ask you to stay connected with us. You can find more information about this initiative on uh, the website. It's all bigger than me.com. You can also, um, Again, I'm transitioning out of my Seattle Black MBA role in the next couple of months, so I don't necessarily want to direct you there, but there will be information there as well. Um, it's seattleblackmba.org. Um, the national organization has committed to be a part of this initiative, so we will continue to provide updates on the national website as well. It's 
bmbaa.org for National Black MBA Association.org. And, and what's really exciting is this is an initiative. This isn't a movement. This is a movement. It's actually going to be fun to hear, to finally have an opportunity to share. There's also a survey that's circulating um, as well. We'll make sure there's a link. That, actually, that was emailed to all members. We'll make sure there's a link on it's all bigger than me.com uh, as well. It's all bigger than me.com. We'll make sure you get, get, get access to that as well. We want to hear from you. We're asking you the same questions about success, the same questions about you know, have you experienced any of these challenges? And we'll go into that again. Uh, what has the impact been? So part of this accountability really has to start with each of you. What has your experience has been? And then for leaders, are you willing to do things differently? We're gonna come back after this uh, commercial break. I think we're at the top of the hour now. Now, Nate, just let me know. Uh, yep. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna transition uh, and we'll be back in just a few minutes and we'll continue this conversation. We'll continue this movement. This is Tracy Harrell and it's bigger than me. Together we can do this. <laughs> 